This is Coronavirus Daily World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Vaccines rolling out all over the place. Close to 100 million people in the U.S. partially vaccinated now. And lots of people means lots of questions about the vaccines. How do we know they're working? Should I be getting some kind of reaction? You know, should my arm hurt? Should I get a chill? We'll get into some of the practical questions people have about the vaccines. Uh, by the way, speaking of the vaccines and the human immune system, we have some good news that could squash those variants, maybe. Pandemic is changing what people share on social media. It's also changed the housing market, which is just wild now all over the country. First, your vaccine questions. Dr. Rebecca Saff, director of the Allergy and Immunology Fellowship Program in Massachusetts General, also instructor at Harvard Medical School. So, doctor... If people were told side effects mean the vaccine is working, and and there were a lot of warnings, right? You might get these, you might get these. So does that mean if I don't get anything, it's not working? That's not true at all. Just like, you know, some people can take a medication and feel really drowsy after they take it. And some people feel absolutely fine. It still works for them, for them both. Or some people in pregnancy will feel really nauseous and throw up and some people won't. But at the end, it's still the same. So even if I feel nothing but the pinch of the needle and I go home and nothing ever comes of it, it's still working in me just like it is in the other guy. Absolutely. So even in the big studies that they did, you know, only, you know, 40 to 50% of people would have these side effects of, you know, feeling really tired and feeling achy, getting a fever, but the, all the people that were in the trial had really good responses to the virus and were protected. You know, I've also heard people speculate that people who get more severe reactions to the vaccine, perhaps it's because had they gotten COVID, they would have had more reactions to COVID. Is there any truth to that? Now, there's some truth to that. So we know that people who've had COVID have great responses to the vaccine. But even then, there's some people who've had COVID. We know they had it. You know, Even within the last 90 days, they get the vaccine and they feel great. They don't have any problem. And so it really, unfortunately, is person-dependent. It would be nice if we could say, oh, that achiness definitely means you're having a good response. But unfortunately, everyone's just a little different. What about the older versus young scenario? People saying, okay, well, if you're, you're young, your immune system is, is stronger and it's going to ramp up faster and you're going to feel it. But maybe if you're you know, a senior, maybe you won't. But then we have plenty of seniors that get side effects. So does that make that not an argument? Yeah, so, I mean, there actually was more side effects than people under 55. So, yeah, that's true. But it doesn't mean that, unfortunately, it doesn't mean if you're older, you're, you're not going to get the side effects. So, so the bottom line is side effects or no side effects. It doesn't mean a thing. Is that right? It doesn't mean a thing. Only that maybe you took the day off work and maybe you can enjoy a nice walk outside <laughs> rather like a free than having day to lay now. in bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, why is it sometimes worse, at least for people who say that they get them, the second time with Pfizer or Moderna? Yep. So that is true. So most people who get side effects, it's going to be worse with the second one. And that really is just because your immune system is ramped up. Um, and so you are getting a stronger immune response and that's why you get those achiness. So if you get side effects, you can say to yourself, that's my immune system working overtime. And if you don't get side effects, you can say, well, I'm pretty lucky because I am still getting the vaccine, still getting the immunity, but I don't have to worry about feeling so achy. So I'm curious, uh, other than than lay people, are, are doctors or your fellow you know, doctors, do they have go through all this thinking too? like, you know, did you get a side effect? No, did you? <laughs> we do. So I'll tell you, after I got my second dose, I was miserable for 24 hours, achy and chills. Um, but then by the day after, I felt great. When does it usually hit? I mean, is that like the example that you gave maybe the night 
of and into the next day, or is it, you know, an hour afterwards? Or is it no, different for everybody? It's usually an hour. It usually takes a couple of hours. So if you got it in the morning, by that evening, you're probably going to feel pretty achy. Um, the next day may be pretty rough. And then by the day following, most people are feeling a lot better. Now, now here's a question that, that probably falls under the category of premature. But, you know, there's already a lot of talk about are we going to need uh, booster shots in a year or two, whatever. Uh, for people who on the first round, did get a strong reaction. They didn't feel well, whatever. And now they're thinking, well, gee, what's going to happen if I have to get a booster shot? Is there any reason to think that a booster shot would be more or less likely to deliver a real punch? You know, it's really hard to know. Um, that, you know, we know that the second shot gives you a little more side effects, but now that you have the immunity, will you have side effects with the booster? Hard to know. It's hard to even know if we have a booster. And if we do, it'll be because your immunity is going down anyways. So, Is there any difference with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine versus Pfizer and Moderna in terms of what you could feel? Um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine had similar side effects, maybe a little bit less, but still that fatigue, achiness, all your muscles kind of getting, feeling chilled, getting a fever, that can happen just as much after the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Do you get tired of people asking these questions? Because we made a whole list that we see. You know, you know, I'm we so happy going. that people are excited to get vaccinated. I am happy to answer as many questions as you want. All right, here's one. Can I have a cocktail afterwards to celebrate? <laughs> Well, well, I'd say moderation. Um, but if you're feel and if you're feeling you know pretty terrible, then I would hold off on right. the cocktail. Yeah. But if you're feeling Understood. okay, um, having having a drink to celebrate. Now, having that drink, you're not immune yet. You need to wait two weeks after that second dose. So uh, don't go out and do it. I know, man. I mean, sure at home, like is a, a uh, momentous <laughs> achievement day. Well, what about also other questions that come up? Uh, people who you know they are worried about side effects, so they kind of dose up beforehand. And I've read that there's some. Opinion that you shouldn't like, you know, swallow a bunch of Advil or something prior to because it might blunt the effect of a vaccine. Any truth to that? Yeah, we don't know. We, you know, so with other vaccines, we haven't seen that that NSAIDs, these ibuprofen, um, makes the vaccine work a little bit less. But at this point, we're saying hold off. Certainly, after you have the vaccine, if you are feeling achy, fine to take them. Tylenol is absolutely fine. So go ahead and take the Tylenol. But if you want to take your ibuprofen, wait till afterwards and see how you feel. And maybe you won't even need it. A lot of seniors, of course, are on uh, low dose aspirin regimens. Is that an issue going in to get vaccines? No, they should continue their aspirin. That's absolutely fine. Okay. Anything else we need to know? Is there is there one that we're missing? Yeah, because if we're missing it, we're going to bug you again. So <laughs> this is your chance. So I think remembering that after you get that vaccine, if your arm is red and swollen, that's not an allergy. That's just the vaccine doing its job. Um, we have seen people with delayed these delayed you know rashes at the side of the, the vaccine even up to a week later. So that's nothing to worry about. That, again, is just the immune system responding to the vaccine. If you do get feverish, achy, you feel awful, and you got hit by a truck, well, just remember, so glad you're not getting COVID, and that's really a sign that your immune system is working. And if it doesn't happen, you know, be pretty happy that you you got off scot-free there. All right. Dr. Rebecca Saff directs the Allergy and Immunology Fellowship Program at Massachusetts General Hospital, also instructor at Harvard Medical School. So has that answered all your questions? Your vaccine questions answered, right? Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. The immune system is more than just antibodies. There are things called T-cells. They also help out. Yeah, it seems they're providing some good news, maybe, for the vaccines and their ability to stop the virus and the variants. With us is Dr. William Hasseltine, president of Access Health International. 
So, Doctor, first, take me back to high school science. We've got the immune system, we've got the antibodies, the B cells, and we've got the T cells. That's right. Um, You have two ways, major ways, actually three, that your body protects itself. First is called innate immunity. If you cut yourself or injure yourself, you see a red redness around it, whether you're infected or not. That's your innate immunity cleaning up. Anything it sees it doesn't like, it reacts to. It doesn't get educated. Then you have an educated called an adaptive immune system. And you have two ways that works. One, it makes antibodies. Those are the B cells that make the antibodies. And they're kind of tailor-made to the new infectious or the new substance that comes into your body. And then there are T cells, which are located on cells. They don't fall free as antibodies. Uh, and they have their own way of recognizing what's different. And their primary job is to recognize it and to kill it. So if it's a cell that's doing something wrong, it recognizes and kills it. If it's infected by a virus, it can damage and kill virus-infected cells. So that's a, a two-minute primer. Okay, very good. Mike, how are you doing on that? Good? I'm following. Okay, yeah. it's following. It's taking, it's taking notes, too. Uh, okay, so now today, uh, along comes the uh, NIH, and they send out a news release talking about how uh, T-cells seem to be uh, pretty responsive to various variants, ones that there has been a great deal of concern that perhaps antibodies created by natural infection and or vaccination might not be able to deal with. If I got that right, uh, then tell me why that's important. Uh, well, you got part of that right. Okay, I gotta, I, Mike, i got to take subs- more notes. <laughs> you did okay. Partial you did okay. credit. Say B plus. Professor gives you a B plus. I would say that the antibodies are the what we know protects you from infection. It doesn't seem that T cells do protect you from infection, but the antibodies do. And that's what the virus cares about. And that's why it changes. It changes so that you get around the first set of antibodies that are there. And some of these viruses are doing it pretty well. Now, the T cells really mop up the damage. And it's a subject of debate whether they give you any protection, first from infection, which they probably don't, and second from disease. There, there's a bigger question. Will the T cells protect you from disease even if they don't protect you from getting infection? My view is the contrary. There's no real evidence that the T cells protect you from disease. Now, what's interesting is that the virus doesn't bother to change. Those things would trigger the T cells. It's perfectly all right with whatever your body does. It isn't all right with what your antibody does. It keeps changing. But a signal from nature that the T cell, the virus doesn't care what your T cells are doing is it doesn't change them. So it's not surprising that the variants are recognized by your T cells no matter what they are, because they don't bother to change them. And they don't bother to change them, in my opinion, because it's not giving you any protection. Now, there is a slight possibility that they may reduce the severity of your disease. But when I look at what's happening in Manaus, Brazil, and around the world, when I see the people who are, had been infected, have been got lots of T-cell responses, are being reinfected, they're getting sick too. And so I'm not so confident that this means very much. It is true that they recognize the variants, but whether that recognition gives you protection, I think not. Whether it protects you from disease, I think is highly problematic. I guess we could hope that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you can. I don't think you, I will be, but you can always hope that. I'm always hoping for the best myself. So does it do anything uh, for us? And, that, uh, what, what can we... I hope, I hope I'm wrong. What can we do with this, then, if we know that it at least gets recognized? Um, I think that the... What you're seeing is your body's ability to clean up the mess that the virus makes. 
And we do know that we do that pretty effectively. We do it so well that a lot of people don't even know they've been infected. And then the great majority get kind of a cold and your body cleans that up. And except for about one in 200 people who die, your body eventually takes care of this. So that's the good news. I think the other good news is we're getting better and better at finding ways to slow down the damage that the virus wreaks. First of all, these the best news that's come out, and I think it should get a bigger play, is that the mRNA vaccines don't just stop you from getting sick. They seem in this first real study to stop you even from getting infected. And that's important because if you're infected and not sick, you might be able to infect someone else. If you, this vaccine stops you from getting infected in the first place, which it now looks like it does, this could help stop transmission and stop the pandemic. So it's what everybody's been hoping the vaccines would do. Not only stop us from getting sick, but stop the virus from spreading from one person to another. So the more people that get vaccinated, especially with these mRNA vaccines, the better it will be. That's what you can do. Go out, get your sore <laughs> arm, get vaccinated with the mRNA vaccines. All right. Dr. William Hasseltine, president of Access Health International. See, in a roundabout way, we still ended on a, a positive. Well, I was, you know, yeah. I was we brought th- it back. I was thinking the same thing. We started with what we thought was pretty good news. Yeah. It turned out it was not so good news. Mm. But now it ended on there good you news. Go. People are changing what they post on social media, and the pandemic seems to be a big reason why. And the new study looks at uh, why they're doing things differently. KYW's Matt Leon talked to the study's co-author, Jason Thatcher, from Temple University about what the changes are and, again, why we're reacting. Well, so you went you went from something like, like uh, say, last January. You went out to dinner with your significant other, right? You'd post a picture. It'd be something pretty. Your friends would probably be like, oh, that looks really good. And then there'd be the other group of friends making fun of you for posting food pics. You know, you'd post a picture of you and your, your partner or maybe someone else in the group. It, to, to suddenly there were no food book, food picks at all. And in fact, it was a post about, hey, I'm baking at home, right? And, and what, what occurred was people became really sensitive or aware of where they were posting from. And so, so issues of location changed. Uh, the, the content changed from being I'm at a nice restaurant and promoting the restaurant I was going to, kind of a dazzling or grandstanding thing, to, hey, I'm staying at home and, stay, and, and, and engaging in, in healthier, safe, safe behaviors, so that was one big shift, right? It was in terms of, of what we showed and where we showed we were. And then the second thing that occurred that we noticed was people were talking about a different kind of content. Like people would suddenly be, put, you saw a big shift occur where you had one group of people saying, hey, I'm not wearing a mask. And it was a political thing. And on the other side, you had people saying, I was wearing a mask, but it wasn't necessarily a political thing. It was a health warning, right? And they were sharing health information to make other people aware because they wanted the people in their network to be safe. And so, so it was, they felt a, an internal impetus or, or desire to make people aware of, of health issues where they never would have before. You never would have told people, hey, it's the person in your neighborhood that was posting, hey, it's flu season, go get your vaccine, right? You would have thought that was a crazy person. This week, or, or, or hey, our CVS has the vaccine. You would have been like, I'm not following that guy anymore. Now today, if so, or in last March, if someone posted, hey, they have masks available at CVS, everybody would have been like, awesome, when were you there? Right? So there was just this palpable shift in content and topic and, and the way that we talked about it. Have you noticed a things at, over time here shifting back or do you think we've seen changes that 
are going to stick around for a while. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're I, th- I think we're seeing uh, seeing two things go on, right? On, on the one side, we're seeing talking about the rich people talking more about the return to normal. So, so you're seeing more restaurant picks. Like it's like like the ones the ones I've seen mostly in my feed lately, and, and the ones I've, I've been tracking are people like it's so nice to eat out again. I saw one the other day. It's like first time I've had dinner out in twelve months. This is awesome, right? So there's a lot of celebration occurring. Um, we're also seeing though, and I think this is actually really interesting. You're still seeing the same person that was posting get your mask at CVS is now posting, hey, this isn't over yet. And what's interesting is they're not getting as many likes, but nobody's telling them to shut up, right? It's 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 this role of public health public health announcement is still okay. And I think that might be a, a somewhat permanent shift. Is is it's okay to talk about health issues? Okay. What we also saw that was actually interesting is while it was okay to talk about broad health issues back in last March of where to get where to get a mask, uh, here's the update, please stay safe. You didn't see people posting, I have a cough. You didn't see people posting, I had COVID. You actually didn't see people really posting much more than keep my family in your prayers if someone had COVID through that first phase of the pandemic. Today, you're seeing a lot more people post about it. You know, and, and in part, that's because that transition occurred where public health or personal health information was private. Now we've, we've turned it into something that's much more acceptable to talk about publicly. And I think that, that may be a permanent shift. That was going to be my next question. Is that something, because I've got my share of people, specifically on Facebook, that mm-hmm. overshare, in my opinion, stuff like that. Uh, so, But you think we'll see more of that going forward? I think you're stuck, man. <laughs> I, I, I think you just got to get a thicker skin. Like, and, and, but you have to remember the motivation's different, okay? If, I, think, I think the motivational structure has changed. So before when people would post, hey, I'm sick, they were looking for sympathy. Today they're posting because they're concerned about your well-being. And it's this, this, this shift between being self-focused, which is what we saw of posts before the pandemic, to being other-focused, right? And, and, and where it's, it's more of being a steward for my community. And that's how those people feel they're posting. So, yeah, I think you're going to still see some of that. I don't know if it'll be in the, 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 the rate and the depth that you see it right now as things slowly transition back to normal, but I think you're going to see more of it. Coming up after this short break, the pandemic has made home buying a seller's market. Home prices are on the rise across the country, and the pandemic seems to be a big factor. Record highs are being set every month now here in California, where there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. Mortgage rates creeping back up, but will that cool off the market or will the pandemic have to end for that to happen? Ziggy Ziccarelli, the broker owner of Style Realty here in L.A., past president of the California Association of Realtors. So, Ziggy, what's going on out there? Hey, it's pretty crazy, isn't it, guys? In yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. In my professional opinion, though, there's still a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You but- know, it's interesting, albeit we have a shortage of inventory. Young people and first-time buyers have been frustrated and discouraged, but in my opinion, opportunity still knocks. Why are home prices going up so much, though? It's a matter of supply and demand, basically. Uh, What we have is a market where you have many young people and first-time buyers trying to make that leap of faith, that jump, if you will. Everybody understand this they want a piece of the american dream and i believe there's still that opportunity 
the thing that has happened for so long is that people have stood by and waited, contrary to what they should have done, and alternatively, they end up looking in their rearview mirror. I think this is the kind of market where you need to jump in, get excited about the purchase, because in the end, it's going to bring you a great investment and something that you can live with for the rest of your life. Did the pandemic accelerate things? I mean, we've done plenty of stories about some people at least trying to get out of cities and and go further into the suburbs. But, you know, if you are someone who wanted out of that apartment anyways or or a different kind of living condition, you didn't need roommates, you didn't want them anymore, maybe this accelerated me by a few years anyways. It, it, You know, that's interesting that you point that out, but that's exactly what's happened. All of a sudden, people aren't traveling to a destination to go to work. They're not going to box offices anymore. Ultimately, they ended up working out of their homes, building a home office for themselves, and all of a sudden realizing that this is a great, great idea and a place for them to survive and work. Suddenly, people are realizing, let's change our philosophy or our efforts because of this whole pandemic situation. Let's try something new and let's go out and purchase something larger and make this investment for ourselves yeah, and but, our future. But, but, but Ziggy, where is the, uh, the money coming for this? Because so many people, especially in the L.A. area have been so hard hit economically because of the pandemic. I mean, not everybody has been working at home. And in fact, a lot of people didn't aren't even working. So where's the money coming to support this? Actually, the money, that's a good question. Much of the money now is coming from their family uh, inheritance. People now are striving to get into properties and they're finding themselves bidding on properties with 25 or 30 other offers. It's hard. It's very difficult for a young couple who are first starting out, jumping into a marketplace and realizing that they have many cash offers ahead of their own. And on top of it all, being 50 to $100,000 over the asking price. That's very commonplace today. So they're having to reach back, turn to a relative, or a parent, somebody that wants to invest in their future and realize that this is something good for them. Ziggy Ziccarelli, broker, owner, Style Realty here in L.A., past president, California Association of Realtors. More African-Americans in the U.S. willing to get a vaccine shot. A survey from the Kaiser Family Foundation showing the number who have had uh, either uh, have received a vaccine shot or want one as soon as possible. It has now risen to 55 percent in March. That's from 41 percent in February. The report also found fewer than half of Republicans say they have either received at least one dose of the vaccine or intend to get it compared to about eight in 10 Democrats. Again, this is an Odyssey podcast. It's a new brand for the app and the company. Some exciting things in the works. So you can find us there on the Odyssey app or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You know, if the company can change change its name, I'm thinking of changing mine. I, I kind of like Ziggy Felt. <laughs> I what do, do, what do you, you like that? It's Ziggy, a great name. I like Ziggy, yeah. Ziggy. Ziggy Felt. It'll be tomorrow. Okay.